Today on Locked On Anaheim Ducks, the NHL sends out a memo regarding this year's NHL draft and will turn back the clock all the way to 1997 on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hola, mi amigos. Bienvenido a Locked On Ducks. Soy su director, Jason J.D. Hernandez. Feliz Cinco de Mayo. Okay, I'll stop. Welcome to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, presented by Build Bar. Yes, Build Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, and we're on day 50-something of social distancing. It has been about 50, I want to say 53 days since the Ducks last played at the pond. So it has been a while now, but we're still here talking hockey, and we have a bit of news to talk about right now. If you guys missed last week, we we reminisced about some old-time hockey, and we also had our special episode of Hockey Jeopardy, which took place last Friday. So if you guys have not listened to that show already, be sure to click on the link and look at the previous episode. It'll be Hockey Jeopardy Part 5. It is a fun episode to listen to. I had Sarah Avampado from Locked on Kings and Locked on NHL. Rachel Donner from Locked on Flyers. Laura Saba from Locked on Habs. Yeah, it was ladies night on this portion of Hockey Jeopardy. It was a lot of fun. Although they made me laugh hysterically through that episode. Uh, but don't forget, you can hear previous podcasts via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Make sure to rate, comment, and most of all, subscribe if you have not already. And be sure to rate this show three stars, especially based on Friday's show. It was a lot of fun. And maybe today's show, too, because we have a bit of news to talk about. And this is regarding the NHL memo that went out over the weekend regarding the NHL draft. Now, it is rumored that the NHL draft could be taking place as early as the first or second week of June. How would that work if the season is on pause? Well, there was a lot to digest on this bit of news, so we'll get into that right now. So the NHL is looking at, first off, having the draft be all virtual. I'm pretty sure they looked at the NFL draft, saw the ratings, and went, oh, that's really good. We could do that. This is a ratings bonanza. Why not try something like this? So the NHL is kind of thinking ahead and trying to keep the league. I mean, I'm going to be honest. They're trying to keep the league relevant in this time of non-sports in the country. Yes, NASCAR is coming back in a couple of weeks. Baseball's happening in Korea. I mean, yeah, the KBO is starting. And just for the record, I love the KBO. There are some great players that are foreign on there. Uh, go and go Dinos. <laughs> they were the team that I saw when they came down here to SoCal. I'll talk about KBO another time when there's absolutely nothing to talk about. Maybe I'll talk KBO baseball. Maybe I'll have Taylor Blake Ward on or another baseball person. Who knows? But I digress. So what I'm trying to get at is in the sports landscape right now, we're hurting for some kind of action. I know fans were thrilled to see some kind of, quote, sports action, unquote, with the NFL draft going on. Baseball's postponed. They can't have their draft because, you know, reasons. And the NBA, they are very convinced that they're going to finish their season this year. They're more than convinced, just ask LeBron James. But if you're the Ducks, you've got to be very excited about this. Because the memo went out that if the draft does go, 
it would be a traditional draft that took place before 2013. So we're going somewhat old school. What does that mean? That means that teams cannot go down more than one or two spots and teams cannot move up more than four spots. So what do I mean by that? Well, let's say for example that the Ducks win the lottery. It would just be the one lottery pick for number one and everyone else moves down and that's it. Only the top five teams, or rather the bottom five teams in the standings, would get a shot at that number one pick. That's it. But that's only four teams because Ottawa owns the second and third pick because of that trade. Oh, remember that? Yeah, there was a trade that happened. Yeah, if you guys remember that, um, the Ottawa Senators currently own the number two and number three slots. And how that would work is it would be based on percentage points. So right now, Detroit would have number one pick. Ottawa would have the second pick. They'd also have the third pick because of that trade with San Jose. Then the Kings would be the fourth pick. Can you imagine being a Kings fan right now? They had that seven-game winning streak to conclude the season, and they would end up having the fourth worst record. If they had lost just one of those games in that streak, they'd have the number two slot. They would have it. Anaheim is very much entrenched in that fifth spot. So only those four teams can move up to the number one spot. And if you're New Jersey, they have the sixth worst record. The best they could do is the number two pick. Any team can move up to four slots. So for example, Buffalo, they're currently in the seventh position. They could only move up as high as the number three pick. Montreal could end up as high as the number four pick and so on. So if you're New Jersey, I mean, you've got a few picks there, but there's also a conditional pick in the first round. And this is where it gets a little bit tricky. Toronto and Carolina. Now, there is a possibility that trades could be redone. And this is where this part of the memo is really intriguing. And Pierre Lebrun from... um, Pierre Lebrun covered this from The Athletic. And there is a possibility that picks that are conditional on playoff performance could be redone. So as it stands... Toronto would have, I mean, they could have that pick if they tank. That's not going to happen. So right now, Carolina owns that pick. That would be the number 19 slot. And here's what Pierre had to say about that. And I'm going to paraphrase here. There's a number of draft picks in this year's draft that are contingent on playoff performance or what happens with certain teams. So the NHL says it will find or offer solutions for those trades or picks involved. So in other words... It could be redone. Yeah. And with certain teams, you know, they're going to try to find solutions for those trades if a playoff team goes far enough. If they win the cup, then the pick changes, in other words. Or the two teams involved in the trade can basically redo the trade on their own and agree on what's a fair trade. That is an interesting part of it. Wait. Yes, I read that right. Teams could potentially redo their trades. Yeah, this could make for a very spicy NHL draft this year and something that could confuse the casual fan, but this is exciting. This is kind of cool.
So let's take New Jersey and Vancouver. And this is a story on The Athletic, also by Pierre Lebrun, a different story. So I'm going to quote this verbatim, because this is kind of cool. Quote, Let's take the New Jersey-Vancouver situation, which is the most unique situation of all because the two clubs didn't even make a trade with each other. The Devils own Vancouver's first-round pick from the Blake Coleman deal with the Lightning before the trade deadline this season. Tampa Bay got the pick last June from the Canucks in the JT Miller deal. However, the condition on the pick is that if the Canucks miss the playoffs this season, the pick moves to 2021 with the rather important caveat that it would be unprotected. (laughs) Yeah, by the time the Canucks brass finished reading Friday's league memo, they were very relieved. As a result of the draft order mechanism recommended in that memo, the Canucks are considered a playoff team based on points percentage, which means that first-round pick the Devils own is not in the lottery for this year. End quote. Only the bottom 15 teams would be in the lottery, so Calgary would have that 16 pick, New Jersey 17, that's what it is. Columbus on that 15th spot could move all the way up to 11th. And then the top 10 teams would keep their picks. So what does that mean for the Anaheim Ducks? They could move up to the number one draft position, or they can stay at number five or drop down as low as number six. Wow, that's kind of a relief for Ducks fans. They can only go as low as as the number six draft pick. That is going to be very interesting. So that's pretty much the meat and potatoes of that memo. And we will be sure to keep an eye on that. And if any breaking news takes place with an announcement on the draft, and if the draft does happen, what does that mean for the potential for the league resuming play? So that should all come either late this week or early next week. And when that happens, we will drop an emergency podcast right then and there. So be on the lookout for that. Just one more item I want to talk about that's worth mentioning from the league memo, and that has to do with when play comes back. Now, this is not a guarantee, but it is possible that teams can come back as early as September, as early as August. We don't know. Teams had until last Friday to submit bids to the National Hockey League to be one of the four cities chosen as kind of like a centralized site for this season to resume. Now, apparently, there was a list of 11 to 14 teams that submitted bids. That list is expected to be whittled down a bit this week. But, you know, we don't know if this is actually going to happen because it is still uncertain as to where the pandemic is headed. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if cases are going to spike. We just don't know. We're still in the great unknown. But if this does happen, then the league would resume. We'd finish off the last two weeks of the season and it would just be on those four sites. So that is a possibility, but it's not a guarantee. And the Players Association has to be okay with this. Yes, it is the most popular option, but there could be some pushback from players on being away from their families for a while. So that is a possible, and they would have to live in a bubble for God knows how long, especially for those playoff teams. And the Player Association has to consent to any return-to-play scenario. So that's why both sides created the NHL-NHLPA Return-to-Play Committee. And they still meet regularly, virtually, of course, but they're still meeting. There is another possibility 
that they could delay the season as long as possible and maybe even have an October playoffs. Yes, this could happen. Playoffs in October. So then at least by then, they could possibly play in the 16 playoff team arenas instead of having the top four sites. And maybe by then, they could allow some fans in. Maybe a sprinkling of fans. I mean, we're still not going to get that here in Anaheim or L.A., because neither team are going to make the playoffs. Let's just be honest here. So they could even just be done with the season and go straight into the playoffs. That is also a possibility given how few games are left for each team. So there are still a plethora of possibilities taking place. There's a couple that are more popular than others. I know some people do not mind waiting until September, October to get back into play. I mean, any hockey would be better than no hockey. They are trying to come up with any kind of solution as possible. I mean, the leading possibility is that they go straight into the playoffs. That is probably the very likely situation. And if so, I mean, the season would be over for some of the bottom-feeding teams. I mean, the season's already over for Detroit. They were eliminated. They've clinched that last place. So there is absolutely zero incentive for the Red Wings to continue playing. But those are just some of the possibilities, and that's one more note on the league memo that went out on Friday. We're going to head into the second intermission already. Oh my. But before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about our newest sponsor, Built Bar. I got to say, me being kind of a health nut, some of you guys already know that I run half marathons. I run marathons. In fact, I was one of those people that ran the LA Marathon right before everything happened. So I'm a big-time health nut, big-time runner. Built Bars, you know, it's a protein bar that kind of tastes like a candy bar with 16 amazing flavors. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate. But most importantly, to me anyway, these bars are made at a peanut-free factory. Yeah, that's very important for those of you that have allergy. So they're soft, they're easy to chew, but most of all, they're very healthy. Take, for example, the orange cream chocolate bar, only 110 calories, only 3 to 4 grams of sugar, and packed with protein, at least 15 grams of protein. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. So they're very good for you, but they also taste fantastic. So if you want to try some Built Bars of your own, they have sample packs. You could make your own pack, but I recommend trying the sample pack first and seeing which flavor you like. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Once again, that is promo code Locked On for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. That's spelled B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and you're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez as we reminisce about the 1997 Mighty Ducks. The reason this year is significant, well, first off, Prime Ticket has been doing a great job re-airing these games. This year is significant because this was the first year that the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim were in the playoffs. Yeah, after only their fourth season of being in the National Hockey League, the Mighty Ducks made it. 
And who would they face? Well, they'd face a very interesting opponent for multiple reasons. They faced the Phoenix Coyotes. This was their first season in the Valley of the Sun playing at America West Arena. And this was significant because Phoenix, they moved from Winnipeg. Now, why is this important? The Ducks had just acquired Tamu Solani, who previously played for Winnipeg. They moved Tamu Solani the previous season to Anaheim because there were rumors swirling about that it was going to be Winnipeg's last season. I actually did a whole article on this years and years ago, eons ago. I don't know if I could find it again, but I did a whole story about this a long time ago, talking about the whole trade going down between the Ducks and the Jets at the time. And Tamu was a little bit sore about it. In fact, in his latest book about his life, he kind of briefly touched on that. I know Tamu did not want to go to Phoenix. He felt a little bit slighted, in fact. So he, so they wanted to make the move, and he got moved to what ended up being his best team. Yes, Tamu had some great years in Winnipeg, and he has fond memories of those Jets runs. But with everything going on with the team moving to Phoenix, it was time for a change. So there was a little bit of vitriol there between Tamu and his old mates. I mean, if Tamu had stuck around, he would have been a Phoenix Coyote. Think about that. Think about if Tamu Solani would have been a Phoenix Coyote. Then he would have still been teammates with a lot of those guys. And we may have seen Jeremy Roenick as a Coyote. We may not have because that was a whole interesting thing as well. Roenick was part of the Chicago Blackhawks. And the only reason that Roenick left Chicago to go to Phoenix was Phoenix was desperate to find that goal scorer to take the place of Tamu Solani. So Phoenix was very, very aggressive. And they ended up getting JR for almost nothing. So yeah, that was a big deal at the time. So now you had two of the top scorers. You had Jeremy Roenick on one side. You had Tamu Solani on the other side. I mean, okay, Jeremy got traded to Phoenix for Alex Monoff. Craig Mills, and a first-round pick, which ended up being Ty Jones. So Phoenix made a pretty good deal at the time. I mean, looking back, I don't want to say it was a steal. But now you had Anaheim coming in, first game out, first game out the pond, and people were just in white. What the heck's going on there? Yes, Winnipeg has their quote-unquote whiteout, but Anaheim, they tried something called white noise. Yeah, I know not every fan participated. And yes, we're fully aware that they're ripping off from the Winnipeg Jets from the old Winnipeg Arena. I mean, that's a thing that happened. But I mean, the fans did come out. And I would say about 75% of the fans that were at the pond that day did dress in white. So the white noise effect did help the Mighty Ducks at the time. For what it's worth. Phoenix, they still had a lot of old players that were teammates of Tamu Solani. One of those being their goaltender, uh, Nikolai Kabibulin. Now, Kabibulin was a very good goalie at the time. He had done a solid job with the Winnipeg Jets at the time. Um, before moving to Phoenix, you know, he was kind of an up-and-coming young goaltender. 
the year before in Winnipeg, he had a 9.08 save percentage. His first year in Phoenix, he also had a 9.08 save percentage. So he was among the top goaltenders at the time. I mean, he only had a 2.83 goals against that season in Phoenix. So I know some people thought of this as kind of an even series. And Phoenix still had other great players. They had Mike Gardner. They had a very young Shane Doan. I mean, this was just gripping with storyline after storyline. And this is a big deal for the Ducks because this was their first playoff experience ever. Led by their young stud, Paul Correa, their young captain. Once you put Correa and Solani together, that first line was pretty unstoppable. And then you had, you know, a lot of other guys right there with them. You had you had JJ there. You had Van Em. I mean, you had a multitude of guys mixing in there with Tamu and Paul Correa. I mean, this this was a fantastic team. Probably one of one of the better Ducks teams as far as top line goes. I mean, they didn't have the depth that they did years later. But just that top line was among the best in the National Hockey League. And it definitely showed during that first game, which was shown yesterday on Prime Ticket. And if you're listening this morning, they are going to replay it. So this episode's going to come out in the morning. If you are up early, here's this. Well, I'll give you the schedule later. But during that first period, Tamu Solani ripped a shot right past Kabi Bolin on the power play. And it was on a two-man advantage. So that gave the Ducks the one nothing lead. But more importantly, that was the Mighty Ducks' first ever playoff goal at 8.57 of the first period. Tamu Solani got the first playoff goal in Ducks history. So there's that bit of trivia for you. But guess who got the assists? Paul Correa? Wow. And J.J. Daniel? Yeah. Yeah, J.J. got the assist, this other assist on that one. So that made it one nothing. And not long after that, a ripped shot from almost the point. And this was kind of interesting. The Ducks kind of punched it into their own zone, thanks to Yari Curry. And Reichel, Warren Reichel, was kind of on the corner there. And he got a little bit rough there. He got a little bit rough with Shane Doan. The Coyotes were kind of complaining. You know, Shane Doan and Warren Reichel, they were kind of just, you know, wrestling each other in the corner. And they kind of stood around a little bit. Players thought that it was going to be whistled down because they were kind of wrestling. Interference could have been called, but nothing was called. I mean, it's the playoffs. It has to be a very, very obvious call for the refs to call it, right? So right when Reichel got a brief moment, a brief glimmer of daylight, he passed it out to the zone. Uh, Curry got a touch. Korea got a freaking fast shot from almost the point. And it bounced right in there and bounced right back out. But it counted. So Paul Correa got a goal there, making it 2 nothing. And then I talked about him. Jeremy Roenick, he answered right back in the second period, making it 2-1. And guess who scored again in the second period? Tamu Solani. Yeah, he had a nice, fast goal in the second period, making it 3-1. Then Keith Kachuk, the Coyotes' captain, he scored in the power play, cutting the lead. But then Paul Correa got the nice empty netter at the end, and that was your final score, 4-2. to two. What I liked about watching this game again, I mean, it did bring, bring back a lot of memories, 
But seeing the crowd count down in such loud unison at the very end, four, three, two, one, that crowd was alive. They were very hockey hungry. I mean, Anaheim has always had very hungry hockey fans, especially when it comes to playoff time. And they, they were loud. They were proud. Good on those Mighty Ducks fans all the way back in 97. They made it fun to watch. So that's our little brief glimpse into game one. So if you're listening in the morning, then it's Tuesday morning, Cinco de Mayo, which is why I introduced the show in Spanish. Later on today, on Prime Ticket, around noon, we're going to have a replay of that game one series. So at noon on Prime Ticket, either noon or 1230, they're going to replay game one. Now at the same time, right towards the end of that game, NBC Sports Network is going to replay the comeback on Catella. That's right. NBC Sports Network around 2 o'clock. They're going to start showing the game. But here's your here here's my little TV watching guide for you guys. Watch game one around 12 to 12.30 on Prime Ticket. And then when that ends, it'll be about 3 o'clock. Switch over to NBCSN because by then Edmonton will be ahead and then you could see the comeback taking place. So that will end around 4 o'clock. Then 7 p.m. Pacific time, also on Prime Ticket, they're going to show Game 7 of that series between the Coyotes and the Mighty Ducks. Now, I do question that they don't show Game 6 because I thought Game 6 was a classic moment in Ducks history because Phoenix was very close to winning that series, and if not for Paul Correa's heroics in overtime, and I'll talk more about that tomorrow, then it wouldn't have gone back to Anaheim. So game seven at 7 p.m. tomorrow on Prime Ticket. So you got three games for the for one afternoon. That's going to be fun to watch if you're an old school Mighty Ducks fan. You know, you get to see two of the best jerseys of all time. And I'll talk more about that tomorrow as well. In the meantime, I want to remind you that you can hear this podcast or any of the previous episodes on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. And please make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe if you have not already. And join in on the fun on looking back on some classic Ducks moments from previous years. And if you want to talk hockey with me, Hit me up on Twitter. I love having the dialogue between myself and some of the fans. It's always fun to check out. So if you want to hit me up, hit me up on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or follow me personally at StimpyJD. I'm always happy to talk hockey on there as well. And in the meantime, this is Jason JD Hernandez saying keep practicing social distancing and I'll see you at the arena at some point. And hey, Anaheim, Ducks fly together.